This is an AMI podcast. I think the biggest problem that I went through was the the grief of losing uh, my sport career. It is like losing uh, a family member. Beyond the Field on AMI-tv examines important issues impacting the world of sport. Many conversations I would end with me in tears feeling like I was being told that I had to change and I had to toughen up. Beyond the Field Uncut provides access to the full, unedited conversations. It's great that you represent Canada and live in Canada. It must be a great country to live in. And I'm like, yes, it is. But as a minority, there still is a lot of racism. Join Paralympians Greg Westlake and Travis Morale as they raise awareness and push the conversation forward through discussions with elite para-athletes, experts, and coaches. This is Beyond the Field Uncut. I'm Travis Morrell. As part of our episode on mental health and preparation, I talked with Allison Levine, someone who I know well and have seen rise up the ranks of the Bocce world. It was great to hear about her process and mentality as a player. So here's the full-length interview now. Today, we are joined by Paralympic Bocce star Allison Levine. Uh, she's recently won bronze in pairs at the Lima Pan Am Games and achieved the number one world ranking in October before uh, COVID shut everything down. So, Allison, how are you doing? It's great to see you. I'm doing great. Thank you. <laughs> so, what was it like achieving the number one world ranking in BC4 right before everything shut down? I mean, was that a huge moment for you? Um, if only we knew what was coming, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, it was um, it was quite a remarkable moment, honestly. Um, it wasn't something that I had set my mind on. Um, it wasn't like a goal of mine in particular. It was just kind of like I, I kept climbing the rankings. And I knew that if I had a top three finish at this competition, then I would um, pass the, the person that was above me and get that number one world status. So definitely played with a little bit more fire. <laughs> and uh, when I when I achieved it, it was it was kind of a surreal moment. Now, bocce is such a technical and tactical game. And you've risen quite high in a relatively short amount of time. Like what role would you say your mental preparation plays and plays in those results and that quick rise? I like to say that 95% of bocce is played between both ears. It's an extremely, um, not only a strategic game, but the amount of mental stress that's put on you as an athlete when you're playing um, in having to analyze, decide, and then execute in, in a matter of seconds and execute to a degree of, of millimeters um, is a very stressful thing. <laughs> and training your mental preparation for bocha is a huge component. Um, I would say even more important than the physical. I, I can totally imagine that. When I watch you guys play bocce, I cannot believe how, how little room for error there is in your sport. So knowing all that and knowing how important the mental preparation side of things are, what would you say, like, how is your mental preparation strategy for games evolved? Like, did you start out with visualizing meditation, working with a sports psych? What, what was your process? So I have to say that for me, actually, the mental side of things was, was my weakness when I started. And I believe that now it's actually one of my strengths. Um, I'm in general, a person who's not very patient 
Um, it's one of, one of my weaknesses. I have no problem saying that. And someone who gets frustrated really easily. So um, when you look at it on paper, how am I possibly going to be good at botcha? It, it doesn't make sense. So <laughs> through time and experience and working with our mental preparation expert, um, I really worked on how I react to the things that I can control. So anything that I can't control, how do I block those things out and be able to concentrate enough to compete and compete at the elite level? Um, another thing that we worked, we tried out visualization for me. Um, it, it wasn't something that, that was uh, specific for, um, it, was something, it wasn't something that fit for me. Uh, a lot of athletes use the visualization. Um, for me, it kind of wasn't my thing. Um, for me, it's more about forgetting about all the exterior factors that are going on, how to use my breathing to calm myself down when things are either not going well or when things are going well as well. How do you bring yourself back down to neutral to uh, be able to be able to play well? So lots of lots of work's been done, and it's been an evol- a constant evolution. See, now that to me is the most impressive side of your sport is when I watch bocce games and I see a player miss a shot to have them mentally reset and right away go back and dial it in and make the shot the next time. What is that like when you miss a shot? Like, how do you reset, refocus? That's got to be so tough. It's hard. I mean, you, you know, we're athletes, we strive for perfection. Um, but that's the, that's the nature of the sport is you are going to miss. And at the highest level, it's, it's more a question of who's going to miss um, who's going to miss less, you know, that that's, who's going to win the game. So when you have a bad shot, um, for me, it's really about sticking to my routine. So for, before I throw any ball, um, I have a very specific routine that I go through and it's, it's second nature to me now. So, um, you know, once I decide what my shot's going to be, I line up my chair, just the act of even putting my brakes on puts me into that routine, put my brake on, select which ball, when I take it in my hand, that's when I take my deep breath. I lean over my chair, make sure I'm in the right spot. Then I wind up and I shoot and I come back up. No matter what happens, good shot, bad shot, always try to do the exact same thing. So every shot's like a mini ritual that you've got down pat, down pretty to much. science. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Now, something unusual with bocce is you compete in the singles and doubles. What is the difference when competing, when you look at your mental preparation and the mental side of things? Well, it's a completely different game. Um, Not only is, you know, when you're alone on the court, you have six balls and you're, you're in control of your fate. Whether you're doing well, you're not doing well, it's all on you and everyone's watching you. Some people love that because I don't know they just do. And then some people hate it. Um, I'm kind of in the middle. (laughs) Now, when you're in pairs, you have three balls and your partner has three balls. When you're not doing well and you're missing some shots, you feel responsible and you feel like you're letting your teammate down. So not only are you having to deal with it yourself, think, oh man, I'm screwing up. You also have to look over at your partner who's trusting you and deal with letting them down. Then there's the other hand, if if your teammate is struggling, what do you do in that moment to bring them back up? You know, obviously in your head, you can't, you can't be thinking, oh man, come on, get it together. You have to say, okay, what can I do right now to help my teammate who's struggling? So it's a completely different dynamic and, and all this is happening in a matter of seconds as well. So 
Now, are you still partnered with Marco? Marco is, we are, we are in pairs. We are a trio of BC4. So it's me, okay. Marco and Julian. And um, it's kind of me. I stay on the court the whole time. And then Marco and Julian will, you're allowed to substitute during the game. Um, and depending on who we're playing against or level of fatigue or whatnot, um, the coach decides who to put in. Oh, interesting. Now, yeah. I know I first met you at actually a wheelchair rugby practice. And Marco is an old-time rugby player, too. What's it like uh, having that rugby background into bocce? Does it help? Does it hurt? Are there any crossovers? We're definitely a little more aggressive <laughs> when it comes to our style of play, you know? Um, there, there's kind of two different two different ways of playing bocce, of being really an attacking player and opening things up uh, in order to cover the jack, and then the ones that are play a little bit more uh, conservatively of, of really building up their the game situation. Um, when I started off, I just liked smashing things and, and having the balls going flying. So um, just like a rugby day, player. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. To this day, it's kind of still my style. I've definitely defined it. Um, but, uh, you know, getting a little hot-headed um, when, you're, when you're losing and really wanting to just, you know, make things move, it's, it's kind of the rugby profile. <laughs> so you spoke a little bit about how it can be difficult if one of your partners is struggling or if you're struggling and you feel like you're letting the team down. What do you do within that team to kind of fire your partner up or what can they do to kind of get you zoned in and pumped up and ready to play? So one of the things we worked on tremendously in 2019 was the communication between each other. Um, and that not, not just the communication when we're on court, communication around everything. So instead of expecting my teammate to know what it is that I need, my teammates now know because we've talked about it. You know, I, I will go to them before a game and be like, you know, I'm feeling a little more nervous for this one. And, and then they know about that. Communication is key because we've learned that we cannot read each other's minds and we can't always tell how others are feeling. So being open, honest, and communicating is, is kind of key and really knowing what each athlete likes. Um, you know, I know that with, with Marco, I can joke around on the court and talk about breakfast in the middle of the game. But when I'm with Julian on the court, he prefers that it's more serious. So it's giving each athlete what they need and respecting each other's boundaries and, and all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what kind of vibe do you like out of your teammates? Do you like your teammates to be really positive? Do you like to, them to give you a bit of a kick in the butt when you need it? A combination of both? What's, what's your style? I'm a, I'm a, I like the positivity, you know, yeah. we all know when we're, we all know if we miss a shot that we miss the shot, you know, you don't need someone to, to kind of tell you um, when we play calm and relaxed. And when we, when we play, when we're really enjoying the game, things just click really well. And that's when, when we do best. So, yeah. So you've gotten, you've gone over quite a bit through like of mental preparation work, uh, learning how to get ready for the games and how to compete. And how does that transfer to your everyday life? Have you found that some of those mental, um, what's the word? Have you found that some of those uh, strategies and coping mechanisms have helped you in your everyday life? I think they have. Yeah. I think I'm more of a, a better well-rounded person um, mentally and able to handle um, things that, that are thrown at me that maybe in the past would super stress me out. Now they, they still stress me out, but 
to a lesser degree that I can, you know, go to sleep at night for, for those things. Um, in general, I think, uh, you know, the, the mental preparation, they're all techniques that you can use in, in, in everyday life and, uh, living through a pandemic, definitely we had to use all those tips and tricks to, to get through it. For sure. Now, We've heard Olympic and Paralympic athletes speak a lot about the letdown post games. Uh, have you ever had to deal with uh, a letdown post games, depression, and you know how has your experience been with that? Um, Twenty sixteen feels like it was so long ago that I don't I don't quite remember exactly, but there was definitely that that slump, that two week post um, post Paralympics where you come home. You, you get caught up on, you know, watching everything that you PVR'd on your TV. And then you're like, you know what, I'm going to take a little bit of, I think I had three, four weeks off. And then you're kind of stuck like, like what now, you know? Um, there was no question in my mind that I wanted to continue playing Bacha and my career, you know, retirement wasn't, uh, wasn't on the mind at all. But when you're not in the moment of sport and everything that you've been training for for the last four years is now over, it really kind of makes you reevaluate who you are as a person and you have to look at the other side of you. Okay. Who is Allison when she's not an athlete? And that can sometimes be really hard to, to stomach and thinking, you know, really, who am I? So it's a bit of a, a rough time I'd say for sure. Oh yeah. I, Hey, I get it. I totally understand it. I remember after 2016, it was a rough time for me where, you know, you're right in the thick of things and then, all of a sudden there's nothing. There's a whole lot of free time in the day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So speaking of which, what do you do to get away from sport, to give yourself a little decompression time, to relax, to have fun? Like, what do you do? Um, I'm, I'm, I don't take a lot of time. Maybe I should take some more. Um, I'm very always botches constantly on my brain, but um, I love video games. Um, I can't play them really well because my, my hands don't work so well. Um, but I love watching people play video games. That's kind of how I get my, my fix. So when I come home from practice, I'm sitting in my apartment and I'm watching uh, some live streaming of video games, normally with my, my service dog curled up on my lap um, and just chilling, thinking about absolutely nothing, probably have some mindless television going on in the background at the same time as well, and just really disconnecting from the world. Yeah. I can, I can totally get that. Do you have any favorite like video games that you like to watch or play or? I'm a big Nintendo any? fan. Mario yeah. and Yoshi have a place in my heart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now taking it back to the bocce side of things, there's a question I've always asked, especially when it comes to the doubles, you guys are set up with the opposite team in boxes near each other. Is there any gamesmanship or trash talking that goes on? Is, is there any of that? Um, only with one country in particular. Oh, you yeah. don't have to name names. But... I will not. No, I will not. Um, <laughs> in general, uh, Bacha being a, a relatively small community, we all, even through the language barriers, we all, um, kind of communicate, you know, some people are a little more reserved, but, uh, the majority of us kind of get along and through broken English, um, speak about, you know, how are things back home and everything when you're on court, it's serious. Um, and you're not, you know, you're not talking to them about, about anything really when you're, when you're playing, 
but uh, in the call room beforehand, obviously that's where, you know, things go down. We always exchange little gifts, uh, maple, maple syrup candies and Canada pins, even though we've played them a hundred times before, we, we always give them at the end of every game, there's always a handshake and a, and a well, and a job well done for everyone. Um, except for that one particular team, which is very unfortunate, but you have to deal with it. Now, do you find playing against a rival like that can throw you off or does that focus you even more and you get your best performances out of it? It used to throw me off. It was, I, I at one point I, I said to my coach, I never want to play against them again. I said, sub me out, put in wow. the two boys. Um, now you can't because you, you need a female on the court. Um, but it was, it was so distressing to me that I just couldn't, you know, I would take, it would ruin the rest of my competition. And this player uh, knew that. So he, he did it more and more. Um, now it's the opposite. I get on court and I just laugh like when he's doing it, because I think to myself, he's just intimidated. You know, that's the only reason why he's doing it is because he's scared. So bring it, you know, I pay I no it. attention. I play no attention to it whatsoever, except for when it's hilarious and, uh, beat him <laughs> i love it see now we finally we finally get to see the killer come out like yeah i've, I've yeah. seen you do some interviews before and you're very nice you're very well spoken but i've also <laughs> seen you playing bocce and you're a straight up killer like you're an assassin yeah. out there so it was I'm, nice I'm to get to see to that level you know <laughs> <laughs> it was nice to get to see a piece of that right now now looking at all those medals back there do you have a favorite is there one that means more than the others to you um, one of my most recent, actually, yeah, it was a world open and it was in Montreal and it was my first individual gold medal. So I got the flag rising, the O Canada going on, on home soil, um, peak of my career. I think at the moment I was like third in the world, first woman in the world. Things wow. were just clicking. I was putting in so much hard work during that time and things were just, I was, you know, that's it's kind of the turning point of when I became really a great athlete, not just a great boccia player. And I'm um, super proud of that one for sure. That's really yeah. cool. Do you feel like your team and I mean, your the other athletes, coaches, the administrators, are they supportive when it comes to mental health issues? Definitely. I think I'm, I think I'm really lucky in that sense. Um, things have changed even over the last, uh, let's say really improved in the last five years. Um, I, I came onto the team, um, being someone who, who tends to be, um, a bit emotional, not emotional in, in that, um, I, I react to things more than people, but emotional in that I'm someone who needs to share and needs to get things out and talk things through. Um, my coaches weren't used to that. And at first they, they thought it was a sign of weakness and I had many conversations I would end with me in tears feeling like. I was being told that I had to change and I had to toughen up. So, so to say, um, over the years and thanks with, uh, to the help of the mental preparation experts as well. Um, the coaches have learned and I've learned to accept the fact that that's how some people process things. And as long as it's done in a healthy and constructive way, it can be a great strength and actually not a weakness at all. So now communicating with my coaches, and my teammates, even when things aren't going well mentally, um, is not viewed as something that, that shouldn't be done. It's encouraged. So definitely much, much better. So 
do you think that possibly the para-sport community uh, is better at dealing with mental health issues and and athletes who are struggling than maybe uh, the able-bodied sports world? I think it's 50-50, better and worse. Oh. Um, I think we'll go with the the bad side first. Okay. And that people with disabilities will often feel like they have to prove to the world that they're not a burden and that they're strong and tough not to be viewed as, you know, less than, or, you know, disabled. Um, so reaching out for help in any way or saying, Hey, I have a weakness. Or I have something that I need to work on can be really scary because it could be seen as, as, you know, influencing that, that stereotype. On the other hand, para athletes are, are masters at knowing their body and knowing what they need and advocating for themselves when it comes to, you know, the, their, their physical life. And I think a lot of para athletes are able to apply that to the mental side as well and, and know that reaching out for help and whatnot isn't, isn't um, a bad thing to do. That's a fantastic answer. <laughs> I, I relate to that a lot. So knowing how hard you've worked on, you know, your team bond and working together in pairs, what's it been like during quarantine? Like, how do you stay connected with your teammates and keep that bond going strong? It was rough. It was really rough. Um, there was a six, seven months where we didn't see each other at all. Um, and while we had some team meetings, um, some felt very forced at times because, you know, when you're in the middle of a pandemic and quarantine, you're like, well, what's the point? You, you know, we don't have any plans for the future. We don't know when we're going to get back on the court. Just leave me alone. I don't want anything to do with it. Um, and the coaches and teammates were good in letting us know that that was okay and that we could take a step back. Um, however, we still have our, you know, WhatsApp group of us athletes um, communicating with each other, even if it's just once in a while, sending someone a funny meme just to make them laugh or, you know, know that, you know, I'm thinking about you um, is kind of what we did. And then once we started being able to practice together again, um, it's still a little weird because we still can't practice the three of us together at once. So it's, you know, we kind of trade off one day with one athlete, one day with another athlete. Um, we were all really worried that it wasn't going to come back quickly and that it was going to take months and months and months to get that cohesion back. Um, it took a practice and a half. <laughs> so that was great. You know, not only the physical, the communication and the, you know, the strategy of working together on, on court came, um, it was back to feeling natural and feeling like you're just hanging with your buddies um, pretty quickly. So thankful for that. <laughs> That's great. Yeah, I I felt the same way with uh, with rugby, but that first training camp, we were right back in the mix pretty quickly. It was awesome. Yeah. Okay. Well, Alison, I'd like to thank you so much for coming on and I wish you the best of luck in, in Tokyo. Thank you. If you enjoyed this conversation, be sure to check out the rest of the series Beyond the Field at AMI.ca or through the AMI-tv app. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca.